You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Samantha. Hey, Cindy. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Pretty good. So who do we got this week? We have Yaz Hussein. He is the founder of All About Helping, a music marketing agency in the UK. He provides consultations and free resources to create content on social media. Yaz started his career at record labels and music brands like SBTV, GRM Daily, Ministry of Sound, and Sony Music prior to launching his agency. We know how it feels when an artist's music career is stuck in a loop and the only time they post is to promote their new music and then disappear for months. So today we are discussing social media planning to help guide social media posting and music promotion. Hey, Sydney. Hey, Sam. How are you both? Hi. Hi. We're good. How are you? Not too bad. Let me turn off all this extra stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You doing well? Nice setup. Got some DJ decks here, got my my nice big camera going on. It's always just a hot mess on this table. Always. (laughs) It looks cool though. Thank you so much for being available. I know it's like kind of late over there, so we really appreciate you. Oh, don't even trip. It's all good. I'm I'm a late worker anyway. So this is normal time for me. I love what you guys are doing. I took a a look at once Sydney messaged me. I was like, wow, these these ladies, these twins that are doing so such great things with all these different tastemakers and industry figureheads i thought was absolutely what's needed today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at bandzoogle built by musicians for musicians bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and epk for your music our listeners can go to bandzoogle.com to try it out for free for 30 days and if you enjoy it you can use the promo code the setup to get 15% off your first year of any subscription. We'd love to hear from your own words and your perspective. How did you get started and how did you get started in music? I guess from the start of my career, I always knew just 17 years old, 18 years old, I wanted to dip my toe in the music industry. So as a kid, I was DJing and I was creating mixes on my laptop to listen to in the gym. So when I was working out, I had music to vibe to. And from there it progressed to Imagine if I could work in this field. So I started interning, guys. I was like putting my CV in, working for any record label, any artist manager. And I was working for £100 a week. Peanuts. No money at all. I was getting paid travel expenses. I was getting paid lunch money. And I just wanted to learn how to do social media. And most times the artist would say, take over the Facebook business page. Take over the Twitter feed. And I just made it my personal mission that if I was going to be handed their socials, I wanted to show them growth. And if I could show them growth, they might keep me on after my internship, my work experience or my short tenure there ended. And then from there, I jumped around so many record labels because, you know, the industry is quite tight knit. Not every label has budget for this type of extra additional employee. So by the time I'd got to setting up my own record label with a friend, I'd really done every part of social media there was to do. And I had built two businesses and shut down two businesses in those times. So I knew how to grow a fan page. I knew how to grow an account and get likes and interactions on content. So the next step was to start teaching under my own brand, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, which is called All About Helping. And I love that you named your business after your initials. I thought that was pretty clever. (laughs) 
Thank you so much. Yeah, a lot of people still to this day don't put the two and two together. So my full name, Ayaz Aftab Hussain, uh, is named after my grandfather. His first name is my middle name. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of he's living through me and my company. And all about helping is the mission to inspire every rapper, producer, singer, and DJ on the planet to overcome the fear of social media. That's the kind of the goal I've got for my, for my life. Yes. And it's definitely a struggle. I mean, social media in itself, it's like an additional job on top of creating music, on top of them probably working other jobs to fund their music. Mm -hmm. So it it definitely takes a lot. And people, when they do have the capacity, like they, they need help. There's so many little nuances and intricacies with every platform. And I would say the biggest downfall is um, doing the same thing across all of them and treating them all the same. And we've had this conversation with a couple of people before, specifically on Instagram, specifically on TikTok. But what I'd like and what I like to discuss and hear from you is like, how can all of these channels work together and also finding your fan base and finding your passion? Because one can be a priority you don't have to be like extremely active on all of them. And I think that's where maybe the feeling of overwhelm comes Uh in place. So with you, like how do you approach social media with your musicians and their teams? Sure. I'll give you my perspective and then I'll put it in the context of an artist after. So for myself, I know my promise is to give one video a week to my audience on the YouTube channel and on the podcast. So I know that if I film the entire thing, I can strip out the audio and use that for Spotify. I know that I can choose the best 90 second chunk for Facebook, the best 30 second chunk for Instagram, the best 25 second chunk for Reels and TikTok. And I know that by segmenting one piece of pillar content down, you can make lots and lots of pieces of micro content. Now that's all well and good for my situation, but for an average artist, they might have a song. Same principle applies, the chorus, the bridge, the intro, the outro, uh, the concept behind the song, record a little genius style interview of what you thought of your own song, how you came up with it. So you can literally off the bat give a hundred different ideas, but I feel what stops artists is their fear that no likes will occur on their content. Mm. So they put out nothing, but that's Mm. the surest way to get zero likes because at least you'd get something if you put yourself out there. And my big mission is trying to teach people that you can document, not create. If you go and made an additional workflow to make TikTok content, you're then going to get behind on your EP release. So if you document the process of making the EP, you have content to tease it and then to market it, but you didn't actually do any additional effort. You were sat here mixing and mastering it anyway. You simply record a 30-second piece the camera whilst you were doing that activity. Yeah. And I love how you broke it down that way. I do think video is such an important aspect, but also it could take some time. But I think the way that you're breaking down one piece, I think that's very helpful because I think another big thing why maybe people seem see it as daunting and maybe they're not as consistent because they think they have to constantly um, you know, spin their wheels and think through new concepts, but it could be as simple as doing what you do, like whether it's with audio or video. So let's talk a little bit more about like the types of content before getting into individual channels. I, I know you just kind of discussed it a little bit, but what are some different types of content that, um, are pretty successful? Absolutely. So I think there's a huge difference between long form video content and short form video content. And besides the length, you've also got to think about, do you need the audio on or off? So something like a YouTube video, absolutely, you need to hear what's happening. Whereas a reel or a TikTok, we're moving in such a world where with text popping and flashing at certain points, you kind of don't need audio in order to, to understand a message. You can almost, it's less than a subtitle. It's almost like prompting words. I guess your next decision is, do you actually need subtitles on the full clip? Or like I mentioned, do you only need certain power words appearing on the screen? And then long form content being something like a full blown podcast. So if one uploaded a 
seven to nine minute clip onto Instagram TV, IGTV. If you did that, the average video completion rate will be very, very small. No one watches on Insta for seven and a half minutes. Whereas that's why you've got to pick the right platform for the medium of the content you're trying to create. So I think a lot of artists would film a music video and stick the whole music video on Instagram, or they'd put the whole thing on YouTube, but then struggle to direct traffic from Instagram and Facebook over to YouTube. So my advice to these type of artists would be intentionally take some snippets off your music video from where that instrumental is fading in and right before you utter the first word of the lyric, cut it there saying coming soon, right? <laughs> or right before you, you've, you've done the verse, you can hear the buildup of the verse, you're about to hit the chorus and it cuts. This is out now on YouTube. These kind of compelling, mysterious pieces of content drive audiences from short form over to watch the full long form video content. Genius because it makes them want more. And that's what you need to think about. Well, one, what's recognizable if it's a pretty well-known artist, use the most recognizable part or do what you just said, like make them want more. What's next? And how do I get the longer form? I think it all comes down to energy and emotion in my opinion, right? So if someone's saying it's out now, there's zero emotion attached to that other than click my stuff. Whereas if someone says, this has been a lifelong project. I've put my heart and soul into this. I cannot wait for you to hear the outcome of six months in the studio. You feel already you're lifted by that message. And when you hear the song, you hear it in a different light. Whereas if someone is lazy in their marketing, their fans will be lazy in their urgency to listen. Yeah. So I think it, artists should, instead of blaming the algorithms, blame themselves for not putting enough hype into the promo plan. Well, it's like, you need to warm them up. Like you, you literally can't be silent and then expect people to go when, when there's no context. It's like, of course we kind of knew that you're eventually having new music, but we didn't know when, what it's like, what the process is. It's, and I agree. It's about the story and it's about getting those who are following you to be invested in you as a person. (laughs) <laughs> because that's that's what's keeping them being those fans, you know, versus just hearing one song that they liked once. Um, with them, they're they have to look excited too. They have to bring the energy to it and promote that they're excited, or else like what are their fans excited for if they're yeah. not showing some kind of behind the scenes or letting them know how much work and effort it took to even, you know, produce a song. Facts. Honestly, I think like artists come out of this phase I called ghost mode. So they go silent for months and months and months. Then they come out of ghost mode, they new music coming soon. When actually I think showing up for three weeks before even announcing that new music is coming soon, is so you're not asking and asking and asking. You're giving yes. and you're interacting. And then when the time is right, you take the people on the journey and hopefully all that content you had created in those studio sessions can now blossom into your marketing campaign. But if you forgot to pick up your phone in the first place, come out of ghost mode, say a song is dropping Friday or X date, say it's out now, and then you go back into ghost mode for another nine months. You haven't built a fan base. You've barely marketed a single. Yeah. And it, and one thing that I always like to advise on is like, if you're not putting in the time um, and effort, how do you expect other people to do the same? You know, like... My biggest pet peeve, and Samantha already knows, is when artists send messages with links in it, and that's their form of promotion. No contacts, never had contact with them before. And it's like, what makes you think that I'm going to open this random link? Like, of course, I know what it is because to Spotify or something like that. But it's like, who are you? And why do you think that I'm going to put in more effort than what you just sent in a message? It's a, the analogy I can often use is like dating. It's kind of like you're going in for the first kiss without even having the nice first date. You know, you haven't yes. done the etiquette. You haven't done the warm up to say it would mean the world to me if you listen to my brand new single. You can't just lean in for the pucker immediately. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to definitely like put in the groundwork saying this song is about heartbreak. This song is about um 
you know, getting over depression. This song is about X, Y, Z. I wrote this song because I was going through this period. And you have a bunch of these milestones that narrate the story that really bring the lyrics to life. Mm-hmm. So that when someone understands that 360 concept behind the record, then when they hear it, their own life experiences come out to play because they resonate with it more. Yeah. Are there any specific like fallbacks or like, I know every artist is different in, um, you know, their approach to music, how they should even share um, their story, but are there any like, just like standard posts that you'd recommend for those who maybe can't get a little bit more creative? I think the easiest, simplest way of looking at it is the WH questions. Who, what, how, where, why? So if you at least tick those off the list, so who are you? I'm a singer songwriter from X, this country. Like, what do you do? I play guitar and I write indie soul clubber music. You've done a, a genre based attribution. Then you say, where you live. So you say, I'm from this small town, but I grew up in this part of the world and I'm inspired by the music from this part of the world. And slowly you've gone through that, how you make music. I taught myself to DJ when I was 13 years old. Then you go through the, uh, you know, why I wrote this song. Well, I was in a, a an accident and I broke this thumb. And while I was in the hospital with my broken thumb, I had so much time to kill and I wrote this song. You see where I'm going? Yes. These stories, these stories bring the song to life. So all an artist has to do is write down who, where, what, how, where, when, and why. And if that was the fundamentals of your marketing plan for a single, you'd be doing a great job. I love that. And um, I didn't really think about that before, but that is the type of content that resonates. It really tells the, the whole story and the whole background and everything that's going on. You make it less corny than that, of course, but that in it, the, the mechanic is there. The execution is up to the artistic nature of each individual musician. One of the things that I think that I, like I do on a daily basis for brands that I think that can be carried over with artists is the planning phase. And I think a lot of people skip that. Um, and I think that's also something that takes a lot of the anxiety out of it, because when you have things lined up and you have this overall campaign structure, if you will, versus just posting on the fly with no intention, um, I think that's probably the best foot forward and maybe something that not a lot of people do or plan or even know how to plan. So um, just like thinking big picture, especially with your release, your 12 month release strategy, which I think is awesome. What does that look like? Because, you know, everything that we've always talked about is being consistent and not just talking about when your new music is about to um, release and just post for like a month. So just top level, Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. an ideal one year for an artist? Okay. A lot to unpack there. Okay. So (laughs) I think two different parts of the question. One is planning one single And then the second part, I guess, is jumping from one single, building that momentum up into future singles. So I would never, ever want to wake up in the morning saying, oh, my gosh, what am I posting today? Like, that's never going to be on my mind because on a Monday, I would define my priorities for the week. And if you say my song's coming out three Mondays from now, you know, you need to make a game plan what you are doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The easiest thing you can do in the world is write it on a piece of paper, an Excel table, or in the notes section on your phone saying, Monday, the 6th of September, uh, announcement post. Tuesday, the 7th of September, why? Wednesday, the 8th, uh, who? etc. You go down that list mm-hmm. until you've basically worked backwards from the out now date all the way backwards towards your announcement date. And you've padded in the in-between. And then there's a lot of debate in the music marketing world about should you do a two-week camp, two weeks pre-marketing, two weeks mm-hmm. post-marketing? Should you do four weeks pre-marketing and four weeks post? All this different debate. My thing is don't go silent the moment the song is out and then come out of the woodwork to say, I have a new music coming again two months later. Keep the conversation going in between. And what I personally advise is a two-week cool off period so just like when you come out of ghost mode and you be active for two weeks it's the complete reverse come off the back of a song and just connect with your fans for two weeks 
say something like, I want to record some covers. Shall I pick WizKid or shall I pick Burner Boy? And you ask them to vote for which content they would like. You go and create that content and just feed off their energy for a while. Don't be waiting saying, my next single's on the way. Make sure you pre-say, make sure you follow, make sure you do this, that, the other. That's again, that's selfish and not selfless. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that we're alluding to is creating this like calendar of content and what the posts are going to look like um, and on what channels and pretty much putting in as much information as possible, like wh- what um, text or copy should be included with every post, hashtags. Mm. So it really takes the bandwidth off of that exact moment when you're posting. Um, do you recommend like how many months ahead do you recommend when it comes to artists and their music when they know they're releasing? Because for me, I like to plan one month at a time for brands. So how far advanced would you recommend that creating that calendar? That's a phenomenal question. Thank you. So I'd say if you have completely mixed mastered and music ready, Mm -hmm. it would be good to forecast the dates the rough dates you would like things to release for six to nine months ahead. So for example, I know many artists who say, I want to release a 10 track album. So I want to release four of those tracks as singles. Mm -hmm. And then the other remaining six will come out on album launch day. So therefore you need to do a warm up month, month one, two, three, four, and then a hype up album month. And then the album launch month, album post-marketing month. You've already hit eight months of the year in one nutshell. So if an artist says, I've got everything ready for single one, but I haven't got a clue about single two, single two will inevitably have a shorter pre-marketing timeline because they'll be scrambling. Mm -hmm. Single three will inevitably get pushed back and it will be late. Single four, they might even cancel. So who's going to lose that artist who didn't plan further ahead enough? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you say, I have all the 10 tracks done, the four lead singles, let me get all the artwork done. Let me get all of the out on X date videos done. Let me get all of the out now posts done. Let me basically design my campaign on autopilot. So it's all up here, programmed in your head or in Excel, waiting with the caption ready and dusted for you to post it or schedule it onto that day. I think that's how artists win. If, If a major record label didn't have that level of planning, the digital marketing manager will get fired. So it's the same. It's the same in smaller teams, right? If you and your manager have not planned the album campaign until it's the month of the album launch, you may not hit the numbers that you dream of hitting. You know, I was gonna say that's kind of wild. I didn't really think um, that long of a time frame, but it makes sense. It, it, I mean, it planning is so vital that a lot of. I mean, I I personally don't like planning, so I can definitely feel that like once you're actually ready and you plan enough for all of the steps, then it does not feel overwhelming, especially if you break it up, like you just said. I'm not opposed to spontaneity either. If if something's trending, I'll give you a good example. Certified lover boy, the album cover of all those pregnant ladies. Did you see how many brands were making fun of that? Adobe did it. Burger King did it. BBC One Extra did it. You have to have room in your calendar for reactionary content. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't think on the fly, but I'm saying what you can plan, why not? That's my perspective. And, and the good thing is too, you can always adjust it. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be completely set in stone. Like you said, Mm -hmm. like you can add the, you know, specific cultural moments to add to the hype of it and be relevant at that time. But also you can change things along the way. That's why there's always room. But the good thing is you're laying down the groundwork and you're doing like 70, 80% of the work ahead of time so that you have room and time to adjust it later. That's kind of why I created these free downloads because I thought whilst I have a system, why not give that away to help pay it forward? So if an artist cannot design a one month planning calendar, I can. So all they have to do is fill in the dates and they have the exact tool that I would advise. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a big believer of give a man, teach a man to fish, not give a man a fish. So if I can empower these artists with tools that they will then utilize, that's spreading my brand. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not precious mm-hmm. that someone has to pay for the tool. I'd rather them use it rather than only just a handful of people pay for a product. I'd rather it serves the community well. And so on my website, allabouthelping.co.uk, there's stacks of different things people can use. There's a vision board planner for how much money you want to save up if you want to buy you know, a holiday, if you want to buy some uh, hardware for your career. I've got a, um, a one-month planner and a one-year planner. Then I've got Canva templates ready-made for a 14-day album campaign or a single campaign. And I've put out a Facebook and Instagram ads training. The YouTube one's coming next month. But a step-by-step process, how I do it when I offer Instagram ads as a service for record labels, I just thought instead of someone who may not be able to afford my services to run it for them, one, I just create an ads manual that they're going to invest in themselves to learn this skill. Mm-hmm. And then they can do it for the rest of their lives and the rest of their careers. They can then run ads for themselves. And at the end of the day too, like you're the one who's been doing this for as long as you have, you have the experience and you know what works and what doesn't. And so this is like giving them the path. And also, like we mentioned earlier, it's another job anyways. So when they can't no longer do it themselves, who are they going to call up? Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Honestly, guys, I I calculated. I think I've spent almost 100 grand in Facebook ads this year for clients. Wow. Right? We've delivered something like no, not bragging, just saying 20 million impressions on the board and about 5 million YouTube videos, about 1 million link clicks on the board. So I I never wish for someone to go through the 7-year learning curve that I've been through. I'd rather shortcut all of that into the one download with click this, click that, adjust this, adjust that, put in your budget, job done. Ads on repeat, just like a professional. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the privilege of working with one of the templates that I designed, is that I'm eradicating the seven years of learning for you. Yeah, I love that. And I want to go back a little bit to like, you know, the camp the campaign structure and and timelines again. Um are, do you usually create the calendar first and then the content or do you lead with content and then create a calendar around the content that you have available? Cool. Okay. Um, I'd say a bit of both. If if I know the high impact content already, I'll slot that in in certain places, i.e. music video behind the scenes of a music video, Instagram stories on the day of the music video, and uh, a time lapse of the artwork being made. Those things I call like your high impact milestones. Mm -hmm. I know them already. They go in. Everything else, I do the process I mentioned where working backwards from release date to announcement date, padding things in. Mm. So it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I'm personally a PowerPoint user. So I would screenshot my iCalendar. I turn off all my appointments, I turn off all the holidays and screenshot a one month of an iCal. And then I literally just make a, a box in PowerPoint and then I write down what is to be done on that day. Then I will, for a client, I'll do one slide per box and say, Tuesday, the 7th of September, here's what you're posting. Canva link, link to the Canva template. Here's the pre-written caption. Here are the pre-chosen hashtags. And here is what you're going to utilize on the story to compound the feed post. And it's like, it's a pretty much like a a do-it-yourself kind of approach. I'll plug all of that material into the calendar. The here you go, musician, execute. That's a good idea. Like, see, it's like, it's like the little things. It doesn't have to be extremely like challenging. You don't have, you know, I didn't even think about screenshotting. I've actually in the past mm-hmm. have tried to create the calendars in a PowerPoint. So you just gave me a little bit of advice that's going to save Take me a, some time. Take it always. You know, some, some labels prefer Asana, the project management tool, mm-hmm. some like Trello, yeah. some like all different like things like Hootsuite later. All these platforms essentially do the same thing. They tell you what you're posting on what day of the week. Mm-hmm. So whatever medium works best for an individual musician and their manager, that's the right format for them, whatever is most comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a question to that on the tools. Are Is there like a tool starter 
kit recommendation that you would give the people? I know you mentioned Canva, which I also love and use. So um, it's great that you're offering templates because then they could easily edit it. And Canva is like a graphic designer tool for people who are not graphic graphic designers, for those that don't know what that is. Um, but for scheduling, what's your favorite? Honestly, the most simple one is Facebook Creator Studio. Mm. So if you literally head to facebook.com forward slash creator studio, there's exactly what we just mentioned, a pre-built-in tool to pre-schedule Instagram feed posts, Instagram TV videos, and stories as well. And it costs nothing at all. It's completely free. And then you have a full visibility of your entire month of content, what's going out on what day of the week, put them all at 7 p.m. to start with. And then as you test and learn, you can increase to two posts a day, one at 9 a.m., one at 7 p.m. Then when you're ready, increase some stories in the middle of the day. And eventually, the heat map on one of the Creator Studio tabs will start to populate. And the heat map will tell you which time of the day is most effective for you. But you have to advise the heat map by posting at different times of the day. The data is biased if you only post evening. Of course, mornings are not going to work if you don't post in the mornings. You have to feed the data for it to feed back the insights. Yes. And um, I think that's another thing that people forget or don't even know is the capability. You know, it really is a trial and error to understand who's following you and um, what resonates with those who see it. So using those analytical tools are very important. You don't want to keep doing the same thing that might not work. You have to keep optimizing and moving forward. Without question. There's to counter that devil's advocate, there's also a bit of- <laughs> a bit of intuition do you know what i mean like you can feel when something's gonna pop and you say the data won't advise this but it's a gut instinct that this is gonna work uh something like uh a meme a meme taking taking the mickey out of a major sporting event or a a a fundamentally viral tweet that goes on about a brand at the super bowl halftime show these things will be counter to the data but you just have this warm, fuzzy feeling inside. <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna go off, and you know it will, and it probably will. Yes, yes, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> so everything that we've been talking about is the organic side of social media. But I love that earlier you mentioned about the paid ads. Um, when would you advise those to add the paid advertising on top of their organic content? Okay, let's dive into this. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> um, give me a budget. Give me a rough, a rough price point. Like um, low, low level, three hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, one hundred dollars. What would you say? Okay, I was gonna say I, I've done a hundred as well, mm. like or five dollars a day. Like I would say, mm-hmm. it would be the lowest point. If I had two hundred dollars for a musician releasing a single, I would put. And maths is correct. Fifty on the announcement post to boost it. So you take an organic post and you add some amplification onto that. You put 50 quid there to draw more brand awareness to the fact that a single is coming, but not yet out. Then on song release day, I then put 75 to drive traffic to your DSPs, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, et cetera. Then on music video or lyric video release day, I would put 50, so that would send traffic to that YouTube place, or I would repurpose that 50 into YouTube ads. And then finally, I think I'm on. I'm on $25 more. $25 left. Thank you for being my maths, <laughs> maths coach there. I would do another boost to the, another dark post to the DSPs a week later for the follow-up traffic. And, and that's say- very, very low budget, of course. Mm-hmm. And when you say dark posts, what do you mean by that? A dark post is one that isn't featured on your profile grid of all the images. It's one that's only in the scrolling newsfeed or the scrolling stories. Cool, cool. Thanks for that break breakdown. Um, mm. And for those who maybe are not very familiar with just how advertising works in general, Facebook Ads Manager has a very detailed way of finding, of way of targeting 
people. So you can add like lifestyle traits. You could add the types of music they're interested in. You can replicate um, who's actually interacting with your content already. Um, But basically it's helping you reach more people than what you would get organically and who's following you. Because we know too, with algorithms, like like the content is shown towards those who interact with your stuff. So some other followers might not even see it. Um, So this gives you a guaranteed or an estimate range of impressions of those who will see it um, and you're paying for it. You know what? I think even experienced social media managers, experienced ad, ad pe- people who run it as a service, you're always still a student. And I've joined clubhouse rooms where they're trying to explain the highest end type of conversion, return on ad spend, jargon, jargon, jargon. And at the end of the day, I think the entry-level musician they want people to hear their music. And so we can make it as complicated as we like, or we can hold back intentionally on the misinformation and just break it down nice and simple. So if you want to send people to YouTube, do this. If you want to send people to Spotify, do that. If you want more likes on the post, do this, that, and the other. And I think trying to keep things simple mm-hmm. means that someone will, over time, learn to level up by themselves. If we confuse the entire process, they'll feel so afraid to begin that they'll never get on the ladder of of learning. So I think that's one of my goals personally is to keep everything at its utmost basic and what's going to serve them well right now. Not what I would do if I was in their shoes because I have seven, eight years of learning. So I think my perspective is just amplify or equip them with the tools they need for their first ever ad. And then they can learn the rest as they go along. Yes. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) I was just going to say that, Sydney. (laughs) Facebook and social media ads in general can be like a one and done thing, but would you recommend being consistent with it? Depends on the strategy of how your music is coming next. Mm -hmm. I know the algorithms are moving towards a pay to play type of situation where organic reach is so capped, you're barely pushing two and a half, three percent. So it's very tempting to say, well, to reach the 97% of my audience, do I have to pay? So I understand that, but I also appreciate it is a costly investment to keep pumping money in and the return that one would make from Spotify or the DSPs paying you is much, much, much less than the money you are spending on ads to drive people there. So it depends on the objective. Are you trying to grow your fan base or grow your monthly streams? If you'd like to grow your monthly streams, you either have to put out more music mm-hmm. or design a campaign that has a bigger hit once it's out. So I think to answer the question, like your ad strategy should all depend on what your next goal is. So if you want to uh, consistently just build your brand awareness, it's a very expensive way of doing that. Other effective ways would be organic content that you film on an iPhone and just make it really entertaining. Whereas if your objective is to just really keep the music streaming and constantly building your paycheck, that is one way of doing it, albeit a very expensive one. Do you have an example of like a campaign that was successful? Um, Yes. Off the bat, I think we spent about four and a half thousand on ads. And I think the ads delivered about a hundred thousand streams and about 150,000 YouTube views. That's like a a medium-sized campaign that I would run. I've ran others that budgets might have been close to 10, 20,000 on ads, Mm -hmm. but they're for some big name brands and -hmm. not for the average musician. So I think if someone's ready to commit with four grand, ideally it comes from the label and not your own pocket. Ideally Mm -hmm. it comes from a lot of other team members are on the campaign, say a radio plugger, a press person, and maybe even like a booking agent, so that the attention translates to income streams from other sources, i.e. your song gets played, so you're headlining a festival, and you're going to make money that way. Or you're featured in the blogs, and someone is going to be your brand sponsor for the next year of all your content. So I'm a big believer that the money you invest in If it's coming from your own pocket, I know how much that hurts. Mm -hmm. So if you can find someone else to pick up the bill, that's in a a much more comfortable and less anxious way of running ads. 
Absolutely. And that makes sense too. So what was your biggest setback that has shaped your career? 2014, my grandfather passed away, the one I was named after. Mm-hmm. So that that sent me into a real downward spiral. I was freelancing at the time, like I said, and I became unemployed because I was working on these short campaigns. I was in central London going to two to two to three record labels in a week. Monday here, Tuesday here, Wednesday here, Thursday from home, Friday here. And when the credit crunch happened, 2014 or so, when all the money dried up, they said, sorry, Yaz, there's no more, there's no more budget for the month. We have to let you go. So just lost my granddad. I'm unemployed. And I was sat at home and I was saying, why am I here? Like I've done a, done a marketing degree. All my friends are in high-flying corporate jobs. I wanted to get in music. Why am I in this situation? And that is kind of the initial seeds of the All About Helping brand began there. It's like, if I have these skill sets, there are close to 2 million musicians in the world, maybe more, maybe less. I don't, I'm plucking this number out thin air. <laughs> if, if, if there are these musicians out there, I just have to find them. I have to send them a DM telling them what I can offer. Once I've sold them the DM, I have to jump on a call. We have to talk through their challenge. I have to prove to them by giving free tips on the consulting call that I can solve their challenge and then more. And then I have to pitch them a price that I know is comfortable for not only my rent money, my lifestyle that I have to pay my own bills as we all do, but also that they feel comfortable investing that kind of money. And then I stack that. I'm super grateful and just humbled to do stack from one a month to two a month, to four a month, to eight a month, to 10 a month. Then I burnt out when I hit 10. I was like, okay, let's go a bit lower because <laughs> I was juggling too much. Yeah. And now I feel balanced and secure that, you know, by losing my grandfather, I found something that truly makes me happy every single day. And I named it after him, right? So mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't ask for much more, I guess. But it was tough. 2014, those days was very tough. Wow, amazing. At least, I mean, it was a it was a big setback, but really it really did shape your career and really did turn it for kind of the best or created like who you are today. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. sorry, I was gonna say too, like I love hearing those stories because like it just created meaning and you were able to, I mean, be frank, make lemonade with sour mm-hmm. lemons, you know? Um you were dealt the situation that was out of your control and you turned it into something great. So thanks for sharing that because of course. It, it's amazing. Cool. There were some dark days. I didn't mm-hmm. tell my parents about one of the, one of the firings. So I would leave the house in the morning, roam around for 12 hours, like trying to make them think I had a job when I didn't actually have a job and I couldn't spend any money because I had no income. So I'm just chilling with friends or walking around just in my own head. And what I really needed was to just sit down with a pen and paper and make a game plan. And I think I avoided the problem rather than tackling it head on. And I think I've got better in life. I call them the ABCs now, anxiety, burnout, and coping mechanisms. So when I know my trigger of anxiety, or I know that I'm sensing I'm close to a burnout, I go back to my coping mechanisms, which is a walk with airplane mode on and I talk to myself in my head and I when I talk to myself I can make a game plan of what I gotta do the minute I get back home and then I just have to execute it my ABCs amazing so then kind of on the on the vice versa what has been one of the bigger highlights so right now I'm working with a group of friends uh they're called team forward slash and I'm sub I'm subcontracting for them and we recently started work on an Amazon music project called Plus 4-4. And we're still working on this uh, for a year. And it's a phenomenal team, great networking opportunities. The artists we're working with are just cutting edge rap and R&B from the UK. And mm-hmm. every single day, I'm just blessed to be on this campaign. And I'm working with a friend I've known for 10 years. And it's just fun. I'm, I'm really fulfilled by the work that we're doing on this particular project. and. No, no two days are the same. There's always a new challenge and a new level up. What we've broken records month after month after month. 
And so the sky's the limit. We keep setting the bar one level higher wow. each month. Wow. Can't wait to, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'll hear it. <laughs> We're plus four, four on you, plus four, four UK okay. on, on Instagram. Gotta check it out. <laughs> Definitely. Please do. Please do. And so we have, we have a couple of more questions. This one is our perfect personal favorite. What do you want to be known for? Again, if come from the title of the brand, but I think helping artists. Mm-hmm. I when I ran a record label with a friend for a short while, we would sign an artist to the roster, or we'd sign the song, and we'd release it on a SoundCloud label. Later on, put it on the DSPs. And I personally loved sitting with the artist, designing their release calendar. Here's what you're posting. Here's what we're posting on the label socials. I love that part, and especially when the artist wasn't so strong at social media i'd see their eyes light up on the call and then when they did go on to bigger and greater things performing on a festival selling out a headline show if i was there by their side i would just catch them a glance and they'd smile and i'd smile and i'd be like yeah we know that we did this together and it's that feeling you guys that i love when an artist achieves something or loses the fear of social because of a coaching session with me or because of one of my YouTube videos or because I did a favor for them, like they know it. And I know it that a tiny percentage of their success came from a conversation we had. And that's what I want to be known for is like doing this with 100,000 artists and making a difference to them. That would be my goal. Wow. And I love that. Like their success is your success and the collaboration is key you know, you need each other to move this thing forward. So I have no doubt that you'll get there. <laughs> Thank you, dude. And then I feel in a weird way, I learned from them. When they've built an audience bigger than I've ever dreamed of, they'll say, here's what worked for me on social media. I'm like, whoa, I have a one guy, I actually work with him in uh, my day job. I have a day job still, by the way, <laughs> nine to five. And um, he, we had coffee one time. He's a metal guitarist. So we went for a walk, we had a coffee, and he scaled himself to 7,000 on TikTok and 44,000 on Facebook. And I'm just speechless. I'm like, you did that from your phone while having a full-time job? He's like, yeah. All I do when I get home is create death metal covers, and I create TikTok content. And I'm like, the music genre is not my bag, certainly. But the execution, I am so proud of you from the bottom of my heart off a conversation we had because he would still be terrified if we didn't have coffee together. Wow. That's, that's like just so incredible to hear. And, and that's the thing too, like artists have it in themselves. They can do it. Like they can totally do it. It's like you said, when we first started talking, it's the fear that sets people back. It's like, just get over it. Just like with your music, you know, you need to show the world and see how they respond and who, and what it resonates and who it resonates with to understand how to keep doing it, how to get that feedback. You know, um, it's all about trial and error too, and learning from it. And it's like removing yourself and your ego from it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I get that. Like, I get that. I feel like in so many ways I can relate to artists because I create my own content. And once you get over that hump, you know, you got to separate it. It's a different thing. It's not personal. Nail on the head, honestly, because the analogy I always use is like, if an artist can visualize the perfect version of themselves, this dream edition, I put this out on Facebook just a couple of days ago, that if they see themselves headlining a show, the question I'd ask is, would they market themselves the same way they do now? So if to promote a headline show, you're still doing that really blurry selfie with a plug in the background and some crumbs on the kitchen counter, you wouldn't. So in order to level up to achieve your dreams, you have to level up, not the production value, but the care and attention you put into the content. Production value is a separate point. Like not everything has to be shot on a fancy camera. Mm -hmm. You can create great looking content on an iPhone. The weekend takes selfies all the time. I've seen full blown music videos shot by a sponsor with a brand new iPhone or a brand new Mm -hmm. Xiaomi phone or a Samsung. So it doesn't have to be a $50,000 video camera, a videographer and a photographer. Sometimes it can be a plain wall in your house and you can create stunning content that pushes numbers onto your streaming platforms. 
it's all doable from the palm mm-hmm. of your hands. Mm-hmm. Just take some planning too. <laughs> bit of creativity and, and a bit of, yeah, bit of luck. There's got to be some intention in there. <laughs> but yeah, I love that you mentioned that. And and last question: How can we find you? What's the best platform to reach you on? Of course not. Again, let me just first say how much I appreciate you guys for inviting me onto this platform, talking with me, and letting a young musician like just share some perspective on social strategy. Uh, you can find me everywhere at social media Ayaz. A-Y-A-Z. I, I must say it's a treat whenever people are like taking a further step and being super personal. Because when you sent mm-hmm. me a voice message on Instagram, I'm like, whoa, I forgot about this feature. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I could attest that you are available and and it's 100%. it's great. <laughs> and thank you so much. We appreciate you being on this episode and sharing your experience and sharing and helping those who are listening because it's so beneficial. Like marketing is key and I mean unless unless you have a job in it or unless you went to school for it, it's like this, you know, abstract concept that people get overwhelmed with. And also just as a marketer myself, like you mentioned earlier, things are always evolving. So it's always nice to talk about what's happening right now. And I know this will help so many people. I literally cannot wait for the future of your platform because I see it where it is. And I just absolutely know that you're going to have a guest one day that's going to go viral. (laughs) And the setup, the setup series will be a talk about phenomenon. It'll be part of the culture. There'll be a moment and there have been many over history, like, and the sky's the limit for you guys and nothing else. I appreciate you. Thank you. And we really hope so one day. Likewise, I can't wait. And again, just really, really, really appreciate you both. See you. Awesome. It was right. awesome meeting you. Take care. See you guys later on. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.